time for Conversations with MIT Medical, care for the community. Here's your host, Melanie Cole. Welcome to Conversations with MIT Medical. I'm Melanie Cole, and today we're discussing group therapy at MIT Medical Student Mental Health and Counseling Services. Joining me is Dr. Sejal Patel. She's a psychologist at MIT Medical Student Mental Health and Counseling Services. Dr. Patel, it's a pleasure to have you join us today, and what a great topic. Tell us a little bit about group therapy, and how is the group process different from individual therapy sessions? How does that all work? Yeah, so group therapy, it's a special form of therapy in which a small number of students, if we're working in a college counseling center, get together under the guidance of a professionally trained therapist to help themselves and to help one another around a special topic, theme, or issue that either they're all struggling with or that one member is struggling with. So group therapy has been around for a pretty long time. Tell us a little bit about how this came about at MIT Medical and how have been the responses? That's an interesting question. It's been a process of actually recognizing group therapy as therapy. And there's actually a governing entity called American Group Psychological Association that's really been at the front of making sure that group therapy is something that we offer, that college counseling centers offer, that individual providers offer, that's elevated to the same level as individual therapy, because there are a lot of benefits to receiving therapy through the group format. And in terms of MIT's history, I've only been there for about five years. And since I started, I have been running groups. I'm currently the group coordinator. So I can speak to the time that I've been there, that groups have been offered concurrently with individual therapy since I've been there. And we have many different types of groups as well. What a great program. So tell us about the different types of groups. Tell us about support, process, skills groups, and what do all these different groups do? Starting with process groups, when we think of group therapy, we often think of the process group, which is a space where individuals come to really work on change or changing something in their life. And in a process group, there's more attention being paid to the way that individuals show up in that space and how they interact with other people. And so if you're working on changing the way you relate to people or working on social skills development or interpersonal skills and issues that you've had, that might come to life and play out in the group. And that's something that the group facilitator would facilitate around recognizing those patterns and changing them. And there's generally a little bit more of a deeper dive. People go deeper into their issues in a process group. So it's much more, it has more elements of what might be happening in an individual therapy session. And so we have a few process groups at MIT Medical, but the majority of our groups are actually support and skills-based groups. So support group is essentially what it sounds like. It's a space where people come together to really receive support and to support one another. And the focus might not necessarily be on change, but just feeling like you're being held and understood and your issues are being recognized and you're able to hear other people's perspectives on how they maybe handle similar situations that they're in. And then skills-based groups often have a little bit more of a didactic component to it. So many of our skills-based groups, now that we're going online, have a PowerPoint, have homework, have readings that might be associated with them. And the goal there is really to learn a specific skill and to practice that skill in between the group sessions. How cool is that? And I imagine that they're so helpful. Tell us what people end up getting out of the group experience. How have been the responses and what have you seen for MIT medical community? 
I came into this role only about a year and a half ago. We didn't really have an official group coordinator before I stepped into this role. So one of my goals is to really make it known just the benefits of group and why group is effective and all the reasons why people end up joining a group and staying in a group, because I feel like there's still a lot of either misinformation out there or fears around group, but essentially I think it can provide benefits and opportunities for healing that individual therapy can't, or that if you try a group, it can enhance so many things, like the way that you interact with people, first of all. It's a space where you have a collective community. You know, you're getting the experience of having like a cohort of people who have similar experiences. And also like you meet with this group weekly, generally speaking. And so it's a consistent space of support. And it can just decrease feelings of isolation, help with managing depression and anxiety in a way that might be very different than just tackling it with one therapist in individual therapy. I use the word exponential sort of benefits to the group process. And there's also a lot that people learn just in terms of supporting each other, providing feedback for each other. There's a lot more room and a lot more ideas, a lot more perspectives to be kind of generated and discussed in that group space that you may not get when you're just working with one provider. Well, Dr. Patel, you mentioned some reservations or fears. What are some of those that you hear about joining group therapy? Are people afraid they're going to be judged? How does that work? And how do you help people to overcome those hesitations and to join the group? So I think this is a collective effort, right, on all of our parts at the Counseling Center. And the two main things that I hear consistently are, I don't know if my problem is big enough or important enough or relevant enough for the group. So there's already a fear of not being able to relate to other group members and all the ways in which people might discount their experiences and feel like it's not appropriate for the group space or they're not going to be understood. So there's reservations around, am I going to feel connected or are people going to feel connected to me? And then the second big fear is vulnerability. You know, it takes a lot just to even come to do therapy with an individual provider, a professionally trained counselor. So I think people have a fear of being vulnerable to their peers and being vulnerable in a space where they don't necessarily know who's going to be there on the first day that they show up. I often say that the reasons why you're afraid to do group are often the reasons why group is going to be effective. In that, to the first part, you learn that there's a lot that people can relate to, even if they haven't had the same experience as you, and that whatever you're struggling with, there could be elements of that become destigmatized by having your peers support you and respond to what you might be going through. To the second piece, I often tell people that you don't have to share your life story or anything that you don't want to until you're comfortable doing so. You know, it's kind of a gradual experience of becoming comfortable with the group and becoming comfortable with the group members. And it's not something you have to jump into right away. And like any relationship, it takes time to build trust. And so I think once you feel like you have that rapport with group members, you can gradually share more and more, but it's definitely not a process where you're expected to share more than you're comfortable doing so at any given point. Those were such great points and really great reasons for looking into group therapy. And why do you feel right now during this pandemic that this is a really good option, especially right now for people that are looking for ways to deal with anxiety and stress and everything in these unprecedented times? There's a lot of unknowns that students are, that all of us, right, are sitting with going into this academic year and 
one thing that I think is going to be missing for a lot of students is just that every those everyday interactions you have with your friends and your peers and all the people that you interact with on campus. And even for the students that are on campus, there's going to be restrictions in terms of how people come together or connect. And I think some of those connections are really vital and important for college students in addition to the academic work that they're doing. And so group could be a really great way to get that experience of connecting with peers and connecting with peers who may be going through something similar and who are also struggling with social isolation or feeling like they're not getting enough time with a group of their peers to really come together and just talk about things that are affecting their lives. I feel like it could be a really great source of support for students who are looking to connect with a group. Well, then tell us as we're getting ready to wrap up here, what commitment is required for groups at student mental health and counseling services? And if you join a group, do you have to keep going? What if you need to miss a session? Give us some of the specifics. And if what if someone wants to start a group, but then they don't really want to stay in it, give us some specifics about the groups themselves. Sure. So I think this answer will depend on what type of group it is. So for many of our process groups where I think it takes a lot more time to feel or understand the benefits of being in a process space where there isn't necessarily like a target theme or a target skill that we go over each week. In those groups, I typically ask students to try the group for a couple weeks, whether that's three, four, five weeks feel out how you're feeling each week and be in contact with the group leader in terms of what you feel like your reservations are, what you're feeling when you're in that space, and determine whether or not it's working for you after a couple weeks, just because it takes a couple weeks to even get familiar with the group members or to understand how the process works. But our skills-based groups, I think it's a much easier to show up, decide for one meeting, like, okay, some of what's being covered or could be covered might not be relevant to my issue and decide that you don't want to continue. That's perfectly fine. And same with support groups. So once you're in a group, by no means do you need to stay in the group. But I do think it's important that you speak to the provider about what you've learned is not working for you or what you feel might make you want to leave the group and whether or not it's worth staying in it based on sort of what the issue may be. Then wrap it up for us, Dr. Patel, and what would you like the MIT medical community to know about group therapy through the student mental health and counseling services and how people can get involved, what questions you'd like them to ask? Kind of wrap it up for us and let us know really what these are all about. First of all, you can find out, we have a great outreach coordinator, Nadia, who has really helped me sort of advertise our groups. And so every semester there will be an updated group flyer and group offering list on our website. There's a link you can click once you go on to student mental health and counseling on our medical website. And what I really want people in medical and the broader MIT community to know is that groups work. It's a really effective way to get support, to hear other people's perspectives and can really accelerate the healing process and decrease feelings of isolation. So I'm hoping that our group offerings are elevated to the same level as individual therapy is over time. And I think it's, as you said, just there in your 
wrap up that it's a way to connect with other people. And especially this time when people are feeling that social isolation and quarantine, what a great way to meet with other people and really process and learn about yourself. So thank you so much for joining us today. And that concludes this episode of Conversations with MIT Medical. For more information on the MIT Medical Student Mental Health and Counseling Services, please visit our website at medical.mit.edu groups for more information. Please also remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other MIT Medical podcasts. I'm Melanie Cole.